Welcome to the Mompreneur Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Moran. Just like you, I'm a mom entrepreneur on a mission to live a present and productive life, to be around for all the moments with my kids while also following my dreams and passions. Join me each week as I uncover a new tip or trick that will help you live your life just as you want and with as much ease as possible. Let's get started with today's episode. Hello, my amazing mompreneurs. Welcome back to the Mompreneur Guide podcast. I am so excited to chat with my friend Emily today. She is the founder and business coach at Six Degrees Society and the co-founder of Ready, Set, Coach, who she co-hosts that, co-founds it with Lexi Smith from the PR Bar, which we've had on the podcast and in our summits before. So that's been like a crazy connection that we have. Emily is simply amazing and she is passionate about helping women find clarity in their business ideas and take action, which we all know is so important. She's been on Refinery29, Girlboss, Forbes, Huffington Post, and she has also been a resident coach for Britain Co.'s self-made program, which is such a big deal. She's a recent Denver transplant from San Francisco and New York City, and in her spare time, you can find her adventuring in her new city, playing with her son Jackson, or planning her next taco night, which I love. I wish that we were close so we could do that together. Emily, I'm so excited for us to just have a conversation about mompreneurship and where you're at in your stage in your life. And also, we have a love of connecting other women together and just growing our businesses in that way. And so I know we're going to have such a good conversation. As we hop into it, can you tell everybody more about yourself? Tell them where you started, where you are today. Like, fill us in on the behind the scenes there. Oh, Megan, thank you so much for having having us. Gosh, I always talk in the us factor. I don't know if this is something that you have to. I'm like, we are so excited to be here. <laughs> Me and my dual personality. I am a Gemini, so there is that opportunity that we might come out. Yeah, so but it's not I, crazy. Yeah, it's not wild. It's not uh-huh. too wild. So I'm actually surprised you asked about, you know, my past and not about my Taco Tuesday ritual or, or about my, my tacos. I come from an Italian family. So food is just like a given. It's like, yes, of course we talk about food here. Of course. I was like, this is not where we jump off. It's it's actually funny. Um, quick tangent. I, I saw an Instagram post being like, oh, Midwest taco night where people in the Midwest think that they're like Mexican. Uh-huh. And that's exactly what we do. We do like the very basic Midwest one. And we've been doing it since like 1996 and not changing anything same exact taco sauce like my dad would use um like I can't have the taco night without it so so wait this ritual like I was just thinking it was you love tacos and just you like to have a taco night this is like dates back to your childhood dates back to childhood my dad would lay my parents were divorced and my Mm -hmm. dad would get us every Friday night and or every other Friday every two weeks and when on the Fridays that he had us Clearly, it's been a while since we played yeah. on this arrangement. I I had that I had an arrangement like that as well. It's like every Wednesday and every other weekend. Wait, which was how which was I understand you what? exactly. But he would lay out a, a towel on his bed, and we would watch. He would always get us a new movie VHS, and then it graduated to a DVD, and um. And we would watch Land Before Time and eat tacos where we would all make the tacos ourselves. So it was very empowering when you're like eight years old and you can build your own meal. So uh, it's definitely a ritual that we've continued on. And my sister just actually moved pretty much across the street and one block down. And so she hosts them every single Tuesday. And I'll, I'll post on my Instagram story and people are like, 
thank God you post it's Tuesday today because I wasn't sure what day it was. And that's that's how I keep track of the week. But I digress. We mark, we, we mark time based on tacos. I love it. We do. We do. <laughs> yeah. We do. And food and wine and, and whatnot. But all of the above. Before uh, before all of that, I I started my career in fashion, shockingly enough. And I say shocking because if you could see me right now, I am wearing an oversized sweatshirt that has like snot stains all over it for my kids. So uh, definitely graduated (laughs) from fashion. But I started uh, when I was in college, I actually studied Spanish and communications and had no idea what I wanted to be when I grew up. But at a small liberal arts college that I went to, there weren't many opportunities to really be specific in what you were studying. So communications was the closest to marketing and PR, which I thought was the general area I wanted to pursue. And Spanish was something that I just accidentally was good at and was able to get a double major in. Um, So fast forward, I graduated college into a recession and I moved to Argentina for about, I thought it was going to be for like a month or three months and ended up falling in love with this, this culture down there. And the idea of building a a community from scratch with no one that I knew and um, ultimately ended up staying nine months and and was able to get a taste of entrepreneurship while I was there. I worked in uh, planning trips for Americans coming down to Argentina with this incredible my first incredible boss who kind of gave me like a glimpse into what entrepreneurship is and Google drive and all the little, (laughs) all the little things that went with it that were novel at the time. And then I also did wine tastings for limited production, Argentine wines to Americans coming to Buenos Aires who didn't have the chance to make it to wine country. And then I, um, had again, still no, no idea what I wanted to do with my life, but made it my life's mission while I was there to network pretty much every single night I was there, hearing people's stories, meeting expats to find out how they got to where they were. And it ended up yielding my first job, my first corporate job. Um, a woman I met down in Argentina helped me out with my resume and I helped her out with her, the lay of the land of Argentina. She was new there and she connected me with all of her friends in New York. Let me say this. She sent my resume out to all of her friends in New York. So I didn't have that direct connection, but out of the blue one day, I got a phone call from a woman who had received my resume from this woman in Argentina and, um, was looking to, to hire an assistant at Ralph Lauren doing special events and marketing. And I have to tell you, Megan, I had no idea. The role was called a retail marketing assistant. And I had no idea what that meant. I like, I, does anybody, I I don't know. I would hear that and be like, like, what is retail event? Like, what is retail marketing? Um, I was just this like kind of apathetic about, uh, like name brand things, Argentine living person who, you know, had dated a guy who was, it was chastising me that Americans, why do we need diamonds? Like, what don't you, isn't love enough? And so <laughs> here I am going straight into Ralph Lauren, the exact opposite of that, where it looked like everyone just got off their pony in, in Greenwich, Connecticut. And so, um, that I was luckily adapt- shock. Yeah. adaptable there. <laughs> so anyways, long story, super long. You didn't ask my career path, but my super long story is from Argentina. I got into fashion from fashion. I started six degrees society as this desire to connect to all these people I'd collected over my life 
from college to summer camp to moving around as a kid uh, to Argentina and enforcing them in one room. And this desire and this knack of connecting really drove my desire to let, to be an entrepreneur. And I kept exposing myself to entrepreneurs, but was unsure what my road to entrepreneurship would look like. Yet it was funny. I think the people in my community, when I created Six Degrees Society, they recognized that this was an opportunity for a business before I even saw it. So I'll stop there. Oh my gosh. No, it's all so magic. Like I just, I love hearing the whole story and, and these little <laughs> details and knowing more about you. I knew none of that. I mean, I knew we had the similarity of fashion mm-hmm. being our our past, but I think it's so cool, especially when you look back and you can see all of the breadcrumbs. And so oh, just sure. to know, yeah, that you went to Argentina because of this community building aspect, of course, mm. of course, that's like, because that's who you are at your core. And then to know that that was like where entrepreneurship was a, a dabble, you got to see it. Um, and then the fact that you, I love that you said that for networking for you, you said I was going to network every night. That was a goal that you had for yourself. But then you went on to say networking to you is hearing stories. Mm-hmm. You wanted to get to know people, which came up again too. when you said that your resume was sent out. You were like, oh, it was great, but it wasn't a direct connection. And I know we're just about to have such a beautiful conversation about (laughs) what connection and networking means to us. And I'm curious, though, one point I would love to touch on, because a lot of things that I think all of us mompreneurs do is is get stuck in mindset stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's interesting that you said like you were unsure of the how of how entrepreneurship and mompreneurship would, would play out, but everything still happened. Like Argentina worked out exactly as it should have and you going to New York and and then going from there and the connections and the networking, like you stayed the same at your core, your mm-hmm. mind, as us, all of our minds do, probably spun out sometimes thinking like, where, mm-hmm. when's it my time? When's it this? So can you walk us through that since you had so many pivots and so many different things that you went through? Like, where was your mindset at with that and how have you managed it? So first and foremost, you should be a therapist and my therapist. I'm like, that was great. You pulled out a lot more about me than I, (laughs) I pull out about myself. So well done there. Um, So my mom, when she was younger, she had always told this story that she grew up in California and she went to UCLA. She wanted, her dream was to go to New York city and work in advertising. And the way that she got there is she told everyone her senior year, like I'm moving to New York city. I'm going to work in advertising. So the time came, graduated, she had to move to New York City, figured out her role in advertising. So when my senior year was upon me, uh, I don't remember if you recall, but like Bernie Madoff had just had the Ponzi scheme, Um, Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers had just collapsed, like people's jobs were being rescinded left and right opportunity. The only people that seemed really solid were people who were deciding to work for for a consulting firm and consulting never really seemed like the route that I wanted to take. I knew I wanted to be in New York. I truly, I loved New York so much. I wrote my college essay on New York as my Emerald city. Like I was obsessed. I grew up in Connecticut. So I had a lot of exposure to New York growing up. Um, and so I was so unsure of what I wanted to do, but I had just come back from my study abroad in Madrid and felt like I had just got like a taste of Madrid and a taste of living in a foreign country, but it was still within a confine of an organized program run through your, your, your university. And so with graduating 
upon us. I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I know that job market, the job market right now is very sparse. I don't, I feel like I'll, I could get a job probably through a connection. My stepdad was super connected in New York. I also felt like if I got a job through him, he would in a way hold it over my head forever. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's certain people you need to take favors from and certain people you need to be cognizant of like accepting a favor. Mm-hmm. I'd gotten an internship through him and I kid you not till like the day he died, he asked me if that was the best internship of my entire life. And I was like, it was great. But I'm like, how, yeah, how but- much more do I? Like, how many it. more like, thank yous? Yeah. We like validation. I love validation. We all like validation. But so um, someone had told me about Argentina and that it had the Latin American appeal, but also a European flair. And oh, cool. the, fl- the, the, the economy was terrible. So you could be really, really successful there and you can make your money go far. So I think I had a little bit of money saved up and I was able to say to people like, yeah, I'm graduating. I'm going to move down to Argentina and teach English. And so I said it enough times that I ended up having to follow through and actually walk the walk. So mindset number one is saying it out loud and saying it out loud loudly and saying it to people that, you know, are going to ask you, so when are you moving to Argentina again? It's Mm -hmm. September. Like you should be moving to Argentina now. So that was step number one. Step number two was I don't, and I was reflecting on this today and and I I think I was so curious and I think this is a huge advantage to students right now too. And I really urge students to to take advantage of the role as being a student. People want to help people that are younger than them. So I was at an advantage where I, I was newly graduated and I hadn't made a lot of mistakes in my life yet where people were willing to sit down and tell me their life story. Because as we know, as I'm telling my life story to you, we love talking about ourselves. People love talking about themselves. So number two is asking people for help, asking people for a direction. Um, I, I asked my entire network to connect me to anyone that they knew in Argentina. And my mom would be on the golf course, like telling people that her daughter's moving to Argentina and then finds that the girl's daughter traveled there for three months and has a connection. And I would meet with that connection. I would follow through with every single connection. Um, actually ended up meeting a guy who met, introduced me to a girl who introduced me to a guy who was my, who ended up being my Argentine boyfriend, who's <laughs> lovely and we're still friends, uh-huh. but you know, it just, it takes following the breadcrumbs. And then in fast forward to, to six degrees, six degrees was just an idea. It was not a business. It was not six degrees. It was just this, this room of bringing people together and curating who they met because so often we go to a conference and you miss out on like who you're supposed to meet in that conference or in that experience, that networking event. And so it was just an email. It was an idea that I, I was able to I know I do a little market research. I sent it out to a bunch of my friends. I was like, this is how I feel at my corporate job. I feel stuck. I don't know what I want to do with my life. I think we can learn from each other. Are you interested? And they all immediately said yes. And then they said yes. And I would love to send this to this person. She's feeling stuck. And this person, she's feeling stuck. So I identified a clear challenge that was easily shareable. And the lesson the, the really cool thing that I got from starting six degrees was I hosted the event once and people had such an amazing time that people started asking me, when's the next one? So I was able to, to do proof of concept that this was like a viable thing, but I still wasn't thinking of it as 
of it as a business because my only experience of entrepreneurship was seeing entrepreneurs who had like a tangible product. And that's what you have to create something. I have to create sweatshirts. I have to create water bottles. I have to create something. So creating a networking service felt really silly to me. Like you could be a coach, but I wasn't at that place in my life yet. But creating something that came so natural felt really counterintuitive to me. Um, so anyways, I I decided to just continue following my intuition and my, asking people if they'd want to host this event. And I was leading from a place of purpose, not a place of, of money at this point in my life. And I'm really grateful that I had about a year and a half, two years of, of doing it before I decided and recognized that I want this to be a business because I had built and laid the foundation of favors and goodwill for people to like, know and trust me. Mm-hmm. I think that's so powerful. I love how it was like, almost like your mom set the stage or there's this catalyst of your mom had a dream to go to New York. So she spoke it out loud and she spoke it enough that it kept her accountable. I think that was a really interesting first point, not only to see that correlation between I truly believe it's not what's taught. It's what's caught when it comes to our kids. And so mm-hmm. we talk a lot about modeling and how like there there can be a lot of mom guilt in the work that we do. But I am in this unique position where I've been in our kids' shoes mm-hmm. and then I'm also in your shoes. So I've seen both sides of that coin. And it'll be really common for our kids to say that, I think. I think there's going to be just so many mompreneurs from our generation but it's just not as common for our generation. And so to just see that parallel between you watched your mom do that same thing and then you felt and saw what was possible that you could do that too. Like for me, I heard that story and I would have been, oh, if I don't have a certain thing, then how could I go there? That's not a, there's mm-hmm. the control factor that I work through and there's the, um, you know, no, that knowing of what's next. So uh, that took such amazing courage and also like kudos to your mom for telling you that and showing you what was possible. And giving me permission to, um, it was interesting because my stepfather who I mentioned has, he grew up during the war, like literally he'll talk about the war, World War II and the, um, the depression and the lack and was ultimately a very successful businessman, but he always mentioned how he never, his dad had sat him down and said, the most important thing for you to know is to have a job, to always have a job. So he never gave himself permission to take risks. So my mom was someone who was like, yes, go to Argentina. This is awesome. Where my stepdad looked at it as I was going to be behind schedule and in my career path and my trajectory. And then fast forward, it's so interesting that you said that about your mom. My mom, actually, before she married my stepdad, she was an entrepreneur. She was a product-based entrepreneur. She created menu covers for hotels and for restaurants, which wow. is like an oxymoron in nowadays life because scan this barcode. Right, right, right. But like beautiful leather-bound menu covers for the Ritz and for the Four Seasons and all these places. She worked from home and I got to see her in her stockings and her like power suits and um her balancing being both a mom and being there on time for pickup, but also feeling like she had to service the client. And there was this, the shame about admitting that she had a home office, like 
I would always answer the wrong line of the phone because I'm seven and who doesn't love to answer the phone at seven and Funny be, <laughs> right. And I was like, hi, I hope you have a great day. She would, she would get so frustrated at me because she's like, that's like, they don't know that I have a home office where now, you know, our culture is a lot more come to expect like me breastfeeding on the call <laughs> a, bit, a bit more or a kid crying in the background. So, but I definitely was able to learn from her, but I also, I think I, I learned what I didn't want to have from her too. Like I knew for a fact, well, I, that's where I think I thought entrepreneurship had to be product-based. Mm-hmm. I, I also didn't like that struggle of like that overhead and seeing that looming as you know. Oh yeah. I know we've talked about it because my mom is a product-based business as well. First it was catering. So it was more like service-ish and then product-based, but then I had a mobile boutique and that was part of the reason I got out of it was personally like, I just don't like seeing money sitting here. And that's the beauty of the online space is that it's just the profit is it's just different. It feels like a different weight, but I think it's really interesting. And I I would love to dive into this a little bit just because I think we all deal with it, which is you said your mom gave you their permission mm-hmm. and your stepdad brought in the scarcity. And so what 100%. I wrote down was that it's like, the per- did the permission overpower the scarcity? Or do you still see that old conditioning rearing its head today? Like, how are you, A, working through that for yourself, but then B, working through that so you're not passing it on to Jackson, like, and, and any anybody else in your world? I'm curious to know how that's playing into the work that you do. Such a good question. I definitely... I mean, the scarcity was, was there. Like I felt, I felt a lot of fear, not being able, you know, not making him happy or not, not living up to his expectations of like what he anticipated a college age person to be doing. Mm -hmm. And it was actually interesting reflecting on this right now. When I started my business, I started again, not as a business, but as a community. And then it led to a business. So it was about 2014 that I, the first event happened 2016 that it became like a full-fledged business and I remember of 2015 Thanksgiving I sat home with my mom and I was like I'm gonna quit my job like I had the there's this great book called the e-myth revisited which if you haven't read I'm sure you've read it's amazing I haven't but I keep hearing about it so I need to put it on my list put it on your list but he talks about the full body knowing of the full body seizure the entrepreneurial seizure and it's like all of the things that were important to me, having health insurance, having security, having a 401k, it was like nothing mattered. I just had this, I hate saying this, this knowing that like I had to do this business and give it a go or forever die wondering. And so I I did. It literally like consumed me. It was tingly and everything. And so I sat my mom down and I was like, I'm really considering taking six degrees. It was called city society at the time, mm-hmm. taking city society full time and like seeing if I can do this and expanding it to different markets. And my business plan was not baked at all. Like mm-hmm. I'm, and, it, and I'm grateful. And I talk about this a lot. Like I'm grateful it wasn't fully baked because I probably never would have allowed myself to go. Right. right? Mm-hmm. If it was, if it had been, cause then I would keep ideating and iterating and it'd never be ready. So I was like, Oh, it's messy action. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And my mom was like, I absolutely think that is an amazing idea because I think you're a bitch in fashion. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, 
permission again. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, you get those discounts, girlfriend, but sure. Um, That's so, so she's like, funny. I don't like who you've become when you're, in- I was very stressed. I was very anxious. I was very materialistic. I was very like consumed about things that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Like they didn't matter at all. And yet I just caught myself getting caught up on it because it was another person's anxiety that was trickling down to me. So anyways, she gave me permission, but I was so scared to tell my stepdad. I didn't tell him for, I don't think I told him for like a whole year, like a whole year. I didn't tell him. Holy smoke. And then when he did, when I did tell him, he was really proud of me. And then the years after kept asking has anyone offered to buy you yet? Mm-hmm. Are you are you making this much money? Uh, like there was, it was just very intense energy. So I tried my best to be like very light and fluffy and airy when I talked to him about it. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, that was a weird relationship. No, gosh. So, and I think so many people can relate because I know I can, like, I'm in this cool place now where my mom is doing mindset work and my dad has always been more like that. They're again, they're divorced. So there's all sorts of other dynamics there, but I have a friend and she said this to me and it just resonates so much. She's like an energy healer. And she said she, she'll, she called it zipping up. She goes, when I go into other places, I'm an empath and I'm a highly sensitive person and I just feel the feelings around me, but I can't let that affect me. And so she goes, I've got to zip up when I go out. And then when I get home, I can unzip and be like, be myself. And so I think of that visual all the time now when I go into different conversations that are more scarce or I'm working so hard on my mindset and I don't want to go backwards and I don't want to spread that to my kids. And so I just think, it's so relatable what you're saying. And I think we can all think of people in our lives where we've had to do that. And if we're in this growth-minded space, then we think like, well, how do we shift that? Mm -hmm. And I think it's so cool that even knowing all of that background information of the other obstacles you were up against, everything that you listed here, your intuition, I mean, that's the opposite of all the scarcity and the fear and the purpose. And I love how you just approach this connection from such that heart-centered space. You can just hear that the work that you're doing is not living in any of that. And so what a testament that is to you for all the work that you're putting out there. And one thing that I wrote down from your story and what you're saying is this concept of there's no coincidences. Mm. I don't really believe that there's coincidences. There's a reason you went to Argentina. There's a reason that you uncovered all of these different things and you were in fashion and then you worked through that and you got through it before you had Jackson. And there's just so much goodness that came from all of that. And it all happened for a reason, just like it happened for a reason that your mom would be on the golf course and she would bump into somebody who knows somebody and the boyfriend and like, of course that happened. Yeah, of course course. it happened. Like, And I think the other thing that I thought was really important too that you shared in this list of mindset things that you've thought of and worked through is just that importance of the word of mouth Mm -hmm. and that voicing, like voicing loudly what you're doing, like asking people for help, voicing, asking for direction, I think is huge. Um, And then asking again, when you said, I have this idea, I feel this are you interested? Could you share this? And making sure it is easily shareable, it all kind of comes back to that sharing your voice. 
And so I'd love to know in your work and in how you look at networking in a very genuine way and growing your business, both your coaching and, and all of the other things, like how have you worked that voice piece into everything that you do or how maybe do you think about that differently? It's interesting because I feel like when I started my business, again, I backflipped into everything. Like I didn't do it the right way. I didn't do it where I sat down and did like a mission and copywriting. I think I mentioned this on the Instagram live, but I had a friend who created my MailChimp, my first MailChimp for me and a friend who created my first website because it was kind of like a BCC Google sheet that I emailed people once a month, what was happening. And I loved the like secrecy and the invite only of it. And so the voicing is fascinating because there was that moment when I had the website where it was external and I couldn't have control of who was coming to things. And that was probably my element of control where I was like, I picked every single person that is in this room. Every single person is either like a friend of a friend or it's been spread word of mouth very organically. And I, I wasn't so focused on like growing it to a level, a huge scalable level. And again, I wasn't thinking about scale at this time. So when my friend said, here's your website, it's time for you to start putting things out publicly. It scared me. It terrified me a lot. And I had all of these like running dialogues and situations happening in my brain of what could happen. Like, what if this person sucked? What if they were this? What if they were uncool? What if like, I don't know that none, none of these things have happened. Um, but I think we go to the far extremes and then the same thing happened when I had the website, I had to put something on the website. So I started doing these career blogs, interviewing people about their stories. And I was terrified. And I see this a lot with my clients when they're first starting out of putting it on Facebook and LinkedIn, because then it meant it was real. Mm-hmm. And it meant that people outside of my like cushy little network could see this. And it wasn't until I did share it that people outside of my network did recognize it and gave me the permission to, to expand and to, to go beyond New York city to Chicago and that's how I grew my business was by putting it out there. So what I learned through that was using my voice, but also separating myself from my business. Beginning Emily would get an email back like, oh, your website, it's not, the link's not working. And I'd be like hysterically crying. And I'd be like, I'm a failure. I can't even link properly. Who am I? And I took it because I was the business. Six Degrees and Emily were the same thing. And so with time, I realized the more that I used my voice, it didn't mean that if someone didn't like my voice or didn't like my message or didn't like me, it wasn't necessarily a me thing. It was like, it's just business. When I return a a jacket because the seam doesn't work, it's not that I don't like the brand, the product wasn't working. So I think that was like the biggest thing that I learned from using my voice was having an Emily six degrees person and then the Emily, the person. And and there were certain ways that I would activate it too at events. Like I had totems that I would use. I, as you cannot tell right now, but I have like a bright red lipstick I'd put on, or I have this really awesome leather jacket. Like I think people would think this is my signature leather jacket when they saw me. They're like, of course, they know they could describe it. They could draw it for you, but I would put it on and I would feel like a million bucks. And I would channel this, this part of my voice that I don't think I would access 
otherwise, or couldn't, I probably could access it, but it just like helped me transform into this alter ego of myself. Mm-hmm. I love how you just mentioned that access, like you're accessing different parts of yourself. And obviously with us, with a fashion background, that's something that that comes up. And that's a big, big conversation where my business ended with the personal styling was all about like dressing for success and and the color power palettes and like all of that stuff. So I think there's something very tangible there, but I love what you said about when you make it external, you lose, you feel like you lose the control. Mm-hmm. And I was curious and I feel like you kind of hit on it, but I'd love to know, did you feel expansion when you actually did have to let go? When you got more visible, you said you grew by putting it out there. And so did you actually feel that expansion from hundred percent? And I think delegating the first time I delegated an event to, I moved to, from New York to San Francisco and I still wanted to host one event, uh, one event a week in in New York. Mm -hmm. And I was like, crap, I can't be there one event a week. So I had to find ambassadors and I had to let them grocery shop and I had to let them do things. And it was the, that was the the beginning of the expansion. And then, so at every event we handpick who you meet and you get curated matches. And I was like, no, no, I always have to make the matches. I always have to make the bios. And when I handed that off to an assistant, holy crap. I was like, what was I waiting for? Who am I? I felt so expansive. I could run eight events at the same exact time and I didn't have to be in control. And I would sit the ambassador down and be like, Megan, tonight it's your business. I'm not here anything that happens, I want you to treat it like you would treat your own business and take care of it the same way. So you're in control. Like, don't text me if you can't find cheese plates, like find cheese plates. I love that, that you can hear too, in the letting go, which I I think we can all raise our hands for all overachiever, high achiever, recovering perfectionist. And in that delegation that led to that separation from you and your business, it it created more expansion, both for the business and space from you being so tied into it, which I think hundred percent we can all relate to, which is so good. Emily, this conversation is simply, simply amazing. I just love hearing the behind the scenes and just so natural how you are with networking with people, getting those conversations and those connections done. It is just so evident that this is your superpower and you can hear the breadcrumbs throughout your story. And so I appreciate you giving us some insight on that. For everybody listening who wants to learn how to connect more or maybe wants to check out your societies or coaching, or can you give them a little taste of how you could support them and where they should go to find more information? Yes. Um, please come to an event. We pivoted digitally during the pandemic and we're still living digitally, which I love because now the whole world can attend an event from the comfort of their couch. Um, so go to six degrees society, all spelled out.com and use code Emily Merrill, M E R R E L L at checkout for a free event. And um, my other program that I have is with again, Lexi Smith. And if you're a coach or coaching curious and want more support in your coaching business, you can check out readysetcoachprogram.com. And if you like today's episode or if something resonated, drop me a DM. I always love hearing people and meeting people like you. I met you in the DMs, which is we awesome. Um, at Emily A. Merrill on Instagram. We'll have everything linked in the show notes so everybody can click through really easily and see. But 
yeah, you're such magic. Everybody go follow her. Go go check out everything that she's doing. Like you're just so, so good. Um, real quick, can we wrap up with some rapid fire questions? Oh, yes. Oh, I Let's love this. Do it. Let's do it. Okay. So tell me, what is your favorite strategy to help you be more present and productive besides what you've shared with us so far? Pomodoro technique. So setting a timer for 30 minutes, focusing on a task, turning off, turning your phone on, do not disturb, and just being really present for those 30 minutes. Timer goes off, go grab a glass of water, rinse and repeat. Do you do that when you're doing anything with Jackson as well, like any playtime, or is that just business stuff? Just for business. I haven't done Pomodoro for him, but that's not a bad idea, though. (laughs) I wonder, maybe some independent play or something like that, or we'll play with trains, and then we'll move on to the next thing. (laughs) He's going to have like a little OCD, probably. (laughs) I know. Maybe a little more expansion there. I love it. What is that? Yeah, right. Yeah. What is the number one essential support you have that you can't live without? Mm. Personally, my husband, I mean, he is truly, I don't think I'd be a functional adult without him. I would forget to eat. He'll he'll text me. He's like, what do you want for lunch? I'm like, I don't care, like almonds. And he's like, okay, here's a beautiful salad with like halloumi grilled on it and steak for lunch. Gosh. (laughs) Super hire. Can he come to my lunches? They can come and visit. My girlfriends, when they visit, they're like, this is a, he delivers this daily. And when I was pregnant, I like could not eat leafy greens. I was like, just a grilled cheese. And my friends are like, you're saying no to this amazing salad? Like, yes, in this stage of my pregnancy, yes, I am. Cheese and bread, that's the only thing. Butter on it. Um, But yes, I would say him. And then I'd say virtually or on my business, my assistants, they're based in Argentina. They are rock stars, which I love the full circle of that. I get to practice my Spanish occasionally. And um, they just, they keep me organized. That's I love the full circle of that. That's Mm -hmm, you. Tell me, what's your go-to self-care activity? When you have a little bit of me time, what do you choose to do with it? I I love napping. I, love <laughs> I, I really love napping, like a power nap. Um, it's kind of like an active meditation. I'm mm-hmm. kind of lucid, but it just recharges my body. And I can probably nap anywhere and everywhere. And when I need to do it, it's, it's like the perfect reset from stepping away from my computer and mm-hmm. what I need to do. So I will say nothing. That is magic. I love how you akin it to meditation. That's mm-hmm. really, really cool. Last but not least, tell me your most stereotypical mompreneur story. Think like kids running through the Zoom call with underwear on their heads. What is something funny that has happened since Jackson has come into this world and you have been running this business? Uh, I got this app called Crisp okay. that plugs in, which you all should get, if, especially if you're a parent. And it delays the sound or, or, or like mutes the outside sound. So I've had him like screaming on the other side of the computer and I'm just smiling and nodding and like using, oh, actually like rocking him on my, when he was in the bouncer that much more, like literally my foot is rocking and I'm doing an Instagram live or a podcast and he's screaming and I'm like, yeah, everything's great. Everything's amazing. <laughs> it's fine wait so this is for your phone or for your computer like how does it work computer it's a plug-in for your computer it's free I think they like 90 minutes a month are free and then I'm I'm paying 12.99 for this plug-in it's so worth it literally I'll be like can you hear the screaming and the construction and the dog and (laughs) oh nothing great okay smile awesome sounds good um I will link that in the show notes for everybody it's spelled k-r-i-s-p got it 
I will find it and link it. That is so amazing. Emily, again, you're a rock star. You just have so much goodness to share. I'm so grateful we got to have this conversation. And I just so appreciate you coming on and sharing with my audience. Mm, thank you so much for having me. This was one of the most fun podcasts I've been on in a very long time. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Remember to subscribe and review so more mompreneurs can get in on this conversation. Connection is at the forefront of all we do, which is exactly why we've launched the Mompreneur Directory, a place where you can find your next client, collab partner, team member, or bestie who gets the life you're living. We've interviewed hundreds of mompreneurs who are trusted advisors in this network, and we want you to be a part of it too. So head to themompreneurguide.com directory to create your profile and find your home away from home. See you next time.